keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, November 6, 2023. The Feast of Blessed Nuno Alvarez Pereira. New Blessed Nuno was born in, six, in 1360 at Bom Jardim near Lisbon, Portugal. He married at 17 years of age and showed early signs of leadership and bravery. What were you doing at 17 years old? I just wonder. At the age of 23, he was appointed as the commander of Portugal's armies by the Grand Master of the Knights of Aviz, and later would become King John I, and he led Portuguese knights against Castilian forces to prevent falling under Spanish domination. Now, what were you doing at the age of 23? Me, I was not leading an army, um, unfortunately. So maybe, maybe one day. We'll see. It's also interesting to note here, the Castilian forces, the Spanish forces were coming down to take Portugal, but the Portuguese always claimed to be independent of Spain, and they always retained through triumph. In fact, after defeating the Castilian forces, in honor of Our Lady's help in the victory, they built a massive cathedral to Our Lady there. Now, Blessed Nuno played a crystal, crucial role in the Battle of Al-Jabarot in 1385. Despite being outnumbered, his well-organized Portuguese army defeated the Castilian forces, securing Portugal triumph. After the death of his wife, Nuno became a Carmelite monk in the monastery that he had founded in Lisbon. I actually got to go visit that that um, monastery while I was in Lisbon. So praise be to God, it is jaw-droppingly beautiful. You just stand there and you could stare at the walls, the facade itself, before ever even entering the building. And when you enter, there's just nothing like it in America. He embraced monastic life and he took the name Nuno de Santa Maria. Nuno displayed remarkable bravery in battle, and during a Castilian invasion, he faced a superior force, leading a charge even after being trapped under his fallen horse, and his courage inspired his men, leading to many victorious outcomes. In fact, he is known in Portugal as one of the greatest of the Portuguese heroes. Imagine having a blessed as one of your greatest heroes of your country. In the monastery, Nuno showed great respect for a priest who had served under his command in the past. And it showed the Catholic spirit of recognizing other people's virtues and other people's holiness, other people's superiority as an act of humility. In his last moments, he received a visit from King John I, who was a close friend of his. And in fact, King John I thanked Nuno for giving him his kingdom, because without Nuno, they would have fallen to the Spanish Empire. The king, unafraid of death, wept as he embraced Nuno. The fearless farewell showcased the faith and courtesy of the time. Now, Blessed Nuno's life was marked by elegance and virtue, demonstrating how gracefulness and virtue complement each other and are not at odds with the militancy of the Catholic faith. His legacy of courage and piety inspires us to fight for the cause of Our Lady and the Holy Church. So what do we ask from Blessed Nuno on this, his feast day? Well, let's ask him to give us his courage and his piety to fight for the cause of Our Lady and the Holy Church. 
that threatens that is threatened in our days, even when we must fight against great odds. Also, let us ask Our Lady to restore Christendom and establish her reign so that those magnificent values that existed in the time of Blessed Nuno can once again shine in society. And Blessed Nuno Alvarez Pereira, pray, pray for, for us. us. Happy more good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Um, it is a happy morning, Adrian. Thanks be to God. It's Monday. We've got another opportunity here this week just to start over fresh, give it our 100%, you know, and... I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. Well, Rudy, I actually have a gift for you. Really? Yes. What is it? It is. Am I getting drafted? You, By the way, be careful what letter? you be careful what you wish for. You're asking, you know. Well, I hope. I wish I was, uh, you know, leading an army at 23. Well, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that might happen pretty soon. But I, I may get drafted, but there's zero possibility they'll make me a commander. Um, Adrian's well, just pulling trash out of his I, I, Apparently, <laughs> I forgot to put it in my pocket. <laughs> I got I deliberately was bringing this today so that way I could uh, get your live reaction to it. But um, oh well, I guess I'll give it to you after the show. But wow. it was a let's just start Monday all over. <laughs> yeah, let's just start over today. Um, studio he the the uh, founder of Studio. I saw him over the weekend, and he gave me two copies of his prayer book. Really? And he said, here's one for you, and here's one for Rudy as oh, a gift. Wow. As to say thank you. And I wanted to get your live reaction of what you thought about the uh, the book, but apparently I am uh, not ready for that. Uh, <laughs> it's Monday morning, folks. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, anyway, thank you to Studio for generously sponsoring our game show last week and thanks for the the generous gift i'm very much appreciated and i'll give it to rudy later um my bad <laughs> all right all right did you have to do anything exciting over the weekend rudy no nothing nothing that's like of note no. but i will say i had a lot of opportunity to just meditate on how good god is in uh in Forming our family. It was very beautiful to just spend time with the family. So it was great. My friend. Not to get sappy on you guys. My friend Josh and Lauren brought their son over, uh, James. And I was like, this kid is so adorable. (laughs) And just like cannot. And it's like the most well-behaved kid I've ever seen. Like he didn't cry not one time while he was there. The kid was smiling the entire time. He's a champ. You would look at somebody and they would just stare at them and then immediately start laughing. And you're like, (laughs) this is the cutest thing ever. Uh, So shout out to my buddy James, or I guess my friend Josh and his son James. I I consider James my friend as well. But anyway, coming up in this hour, Notre Dame hosts a drag queen show on campus. Plus D-Trans, the dangers of gender affirming care. And Synod on Synodality, a Pandora's box or an empty box. We'll talk about all of this coming up in this hour. Uh, plus, our Fear and Trembling game show will be coming up. But let's begin with prayer. During the month of November, we pray for the Holy Souls. We're going to be praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. For my grandfather, that he be healed of his cancer and his other illnesses. And we pray for the holy souls. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, 
Look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires, that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words, which will call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you and from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, and those in my own home and within my family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are just some of your breaking news and headlines today. The Brooklyn Bishop disciplines pastor who allowed a pop star to film a music video in a church. You love to see it when a, you know a bishop just really takes charge here. This is one of those awesome good news stories. Unfortunate circumstance, but good news story nonetheless. The Diocese of Brooklyn took swift action after a pop star filmed a sacrilegious music video on the altar of the church. In response, Bishop Brennan conducted a mass of reparation, restoring the church's sanctity. Thanks be to God. Monsignor Gigan Tiello, the pastor involved, lost administrative oversight, and Auxiliary Bishop Mazrovsky took charge pending an investigation. The church's desecration triggered outrage and calls for accountability on social media. A review of the documents presented to the parish in advance of the production failed to predict, or rather to depict, the entirety of the scenes, clearly portraying inappropriate behavior unsuitable for a Catholic church. And Blinken visits Iraq in a bid to prevent Gaza spillover. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken made an unannounced visit to Iraq. During his visit, he met with Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed al-Sudani. The U.S. is actively engaging with regional countries to prevent a wider conflict, especially as rocket and drone attacks on U.S. and coalition troops in Iraq and Syria have increased since the Gaza conflict. Blinken's visit to Iraq also aims to address concerns about escalating tensions in the broader Middle East. And finally, critics warn that Biden's hydrogen initiative could become the next green energy boondongle. You don't know what a boondongle is? Well, I'll explain in the after show. President Biden's climate policy includes a focus on hydrogen production, with $7 billion worth of assets allocated for hydrogen hubs. However, critics point out that the potential drawbacks and inefficiencies of hydrogen as an alternative energy source while hydrogen can also be produced through various methods, is an energy carrier, not a source, resulting in energy losses between 18 to 46 percent, not unlike a combustion engine. Critics argue that there's a lack of a clear plan and potential waste of public funds in pursuing hydrogen as an alternative energy solution. Those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian. The gospel of the day comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says, And he said to him also that had invited him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy neighbors, who are rich, lest perhaps they also invite thee again, and a recompense be made to thee. Now, we'll stop here for a second and focus on just this verse for a moment. Here, it says, call not thy friends. Now, Christ here counseled this as the more perfect way. 
he did not command it as of necessity, for it is lawful, even meritorious, for us to invite our friends, according to Cornelius Lapide. He says, if it be done out of friendship and kindness, then it's meritorious. So what is our Lord warning us for? Well, Venerable Bede says, brethren then, and friends, and the rich are not forbidden as though it were a crime to entertain one another, but this, like all other necessary intercourse among men, is shown to fail in meriting the reward of everlasting life. Unless, as I have said, such entertainment springs from a higher motive, a brotherly love or charity. This can be talked about in the sense that even if something is not a sin, it's not meritorious. For instance, if someone offers you your favorite food, your absolute favorite food, and you eat it, did you merit anything? Did you gain anything? You said, oh, well, I ate this food out of charity. Well, you also wanted to eat it, so you merited nothing. But if someone offers you a food that you just despise, it's your least favorite food, it's disgusting, but you eat it with a joyful heart, you don't complain, you don't make a face, you eat the whole thing and you eat it all the way to the end, then you merited something because you suffered something, you did something that you did not want to do, and you offer it up for and out of charity. And so you did something meritorious. So if you invite your friends over, and you just do it to have a good time. There's nothing sinful about that, but you are not meriting anything. The same thing can be said in a negative sense, though, because in a negative sense, our Lord here says, lest perchance they also invite thee again and a recompense can be made to thee. If your intention is to gain worldly benefit, then it can be a defect. It can be a defect if you're inviting people over, hoping that they will then again invite you. You invite someone who is wealthier over to your house, someone who is higher status than you over to your house in hopes that they will then turn around and do the same to you. This would be a defect. This would be an imperfection. The last thing I'll say here is a testimony from St. Louis of France who would was not content with entertaining 120 beggars at his table daily. And on the feast days, 200 frequently waiting upon them himself and even wash their feet. That is a beautiful, a beautiful example of what our Lord has asked us to do. Are you committing a sin if you don't do this? No, but God is calling us to the way of perfection. How perfect do you want to be? That's the question. Maybe invite that one guy that you really don't want to invite over. It's kind of a little weird. Invite him over, treat him well, and have a good dinner with him. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so 
If we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here with you. So thank you very much. I appreciate you allowing me to spend some time with you. That's a lot of you and me's, right? Hopefully that was clear. Clear as mud. Nonetheless, much appreciated. You know, over the weekend, I was really excited. Yesterday, I got to speak at my old parish where I used to actually... I was the unofficial youth minister there for a year um, because they had like an interregnum of youth ministers and I also wasn't old enough to be a youth minister. So I kind of just filled in for a little bit. And so they, they have like a like a rule in the diocese about how old you have to be. So I wasn't allowed to get a title or the pay, but I just did it voluntarily basically. And um, I hadn't been there in a few years, and they invited me to come and give a talk on the saints. So I was there yesterday and last night, and it was really encouraging. I got to meet a lot of uh, good young people, and uh, I thought overall it went very positively. So I just wanted to share that with you. thought you might be interested. But speaking of young people and encouraging, I have some good news and bad news. Rudy, what what news do you want to hear first? The good news or the bad news? Well, hmm, I started off positively this morning, hmm. so let's start off with the bad news first. All right. The, the bad news is the University of Notre Dame held a drag queen show on November 3rd. Okay. It was hmm. uh, pretty, pretty negative. I, they had a big old sure? thing. Notre Dame, I mean, this school is dedicated to Our Lady? Yeah. You're saying there was a drag show? Are you sure about that? There was a drag show. Hmm. Yeah, the same university that... Um, Gave Barack Obama an honorary degree. Oh, yeah, that hmm. university. Hmm. Uh, it was the Notre Dame, an alleged Catholic university, held a drag queen show on November third. Um, the good news, though, was there was a massive, massive protest among the student body, and I, they, the TFP put out a video on this. I highly recommend checking out the whole video. I did a a super cut of it, so I just have um, the interview parts of it cut out, so you can see kind of what the milieu was among the students. And this was so encouraging because the drag queen show was put together by one of the teachers there. But overwhelmingly, the Catholic student body was very dedicated to trying to shut it down. And I was very encouraged to see this. Uh, So we'll play that clip for you. TFP Student Action is at the University of Notre Dame this evening, joining the protest of hundreds of students, both online and in person, against a drag queen performance being held on campus. I don't know, my heart was just really moved. As Catholics, we're not called to remain silent. Um, Obviously, we're called to love all persons, but love doesn't mean sniveling on the sidelines. Love means doing something about it. Um, And so I just felt called to ask my classmates and see if anybody wanted to come. And uh, God bless, they were willing to come with me. On the campus of Notre Dame, very uh, cowardly and very 
uh, weekly chose to allow this perversion of drag shows to happen on campus in the middle of a keynote address on personhood. Notre Dame abandons its namesake and its Catholic heritage by promoting such a scandalous event. So as a, as a Notre Dame student, what do you think about what's happening here? I think a drag show is not... Uh, not appropriate on Catholic campus at Our Lady's University. That's a that's disrespectful to our Catholic identity and also to Our Lady. What do you think about a drag show? Does that fit here? No, it, it has no business being here. If they want to call themselves a Catholic school, they actually need to uphold Catholic values. The perverse drag show being held on campus is an insult to Our Lady's purity. It's impossible to say you honor the Virgin Mary and at the same time host such a sinful and impure event. It's a really sad thing to see such a beautiful institution, Catholic institution, sort of degraded to this point. Um, yeah, and it's going to need a lot of prayer. And so some of us faithful Catholics said, Our Lady is immaculately conceived and we, we desire a world where this nonsense, this nonsense where we pervert the order which God has created, where we pervert the created order, where we pervert the order and the beauty of man and woman. Um, it ends. And so we came out, we said the rosary, we said Our Lady Psalter, and we prayed for that that end. And the, the hope we wish for Notre Dame is that it would end, that it live up to the name Notre Dame, Our Lady. Entertainment is not an excuse to offend God. God created us distinctly male and female. Pursuits of academic freedom that do not respect absolute truth are worthless. There's been little response from the university uh, until eventually they, they claimed it was going to go forward under academic freedom. Uh, small one-credit class to study drag that this teacher decided uh, it would be good to have, have a drag show on campus, which obviously uh, is not, not under Catholic values. We tried to uh, do what we can. There's a big... Uh, Petition to, to email the administration to get them to stop it. And do you know how many people signed that? Uh, the number I saw was uh, over 600. I don't know what it's at now. Uh, all we can do is come out and uh, show Our Lady um, that we are true, um, true faithful children, sons and daughters, um, and do our best to protect her name. The class titled Drag on Screen being offered at Notre Dame this semester is symptomatic of the sinful culture that seeks to destroy morality and promote immoral lifestyles even to children. I, I took a course at a community college, an English course, and my teacher was very supportive of drag shows and he was like saying everyone should go to it. And just like, I mean, I was watching the video that they were making us watch, which it was provocative dancing and scandalous clothing, yet that's not in any way anything more than just a comedy show, and it's fine for all ages. It's ridiculous. Our message is clear. Stop insulting our Catholic faith, stop insulting Our Lady, and stop promoting the lies of gender ideology. Under the patronage of Our Lady, most pure, Mother of God, it's time to restore the moral fabric of Notre Dame. I would just say um, fear is not of the Lord, so don't be afraid. Do something about it. Um, yeah, our rewards may not be of this world, um, but you have to keep your eye on the prize, and that's not here. Um, so speak up. Um, you can do it. <laughs> and yeah, keep, keep your eyes on God the whole time. What we've seen here tonight is that students do not want perverse drag queen performances on their campus. Students want to remain faithful to their Catholic identity. So wherever you may be, keep up the good fight. And may God bless you. There you go. So praise be to God. That's uh, Mr. Evan Olwell with the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property.
I'm glad they went out there and they had a massive contingent. If you got to see the video, you could see the amount of Catholic students there on their knees praying in reparation for this absolute blasphemy against the Blessed Virgin. Can you imagine a university named after Our Lady mocking womanhood in this way? Mocking womanhood of having men dressed as caricatures of women performing on a stage for the entertainment of children or for kids or young adults, I guess. Absolutely disgusting and absolute blasphemy and absolute sacrilege happening at Our Lady's University. And this is also concerning because the idea here, and this happens, this conversation comes up pretty frequently when things like this happen, usually with regards to Satanism, especially in movies, Satanism in movies, blasphemy in movies. Um, you think about the whole, the, what was the, what's the name of that book? Da Vinci Code. There we go. The Da Vinci Code. When that came out and people were protesting it, what was the reaction your average person gave? Oh yeah, that was kind of, yeah, that's not very nice, not very good, but you know, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. That's the phrase that people will say. That's the phrase people will use as an excuse for immorality. That's the excuse people will give for immoral language, immoral actions, blasphemy, sacrilege. It's just entertainment. Should we be entertained by things that offend Almighty God? Should that entertain us? Should we give it a pass because it's a movie, it's a TV show, it's a performance? And why do some things make us more upset than others? Whenever we see a drag queen performance for kids, well, you see conservative people come out of the woodwork all over the place to protest, and rightfully so, I agree with that. But my question is, why this and not everything else? Because you do realize that how we got here was by allowing for immoral things to be promoted as entertainment. We did not get here magically. People act like one day we showed up and all of a sudden they were doing these crazy things in front of TVs and movies in front of our kids How did we get here? How was this possible? It's because we allowed ourselves to be entertained by immorality. Entertainment is not wrong in and of itself. It's fine to be entertained. In fact, one might say it's good to be entertained. But the question is, what is the source of your entertainment? What is the subject of your entertainment? And what is the point of your entertainment? We have to ask ourselves those questions. And when we see those things, imagine if our lady and our Lord were sitting to your left and to your right, would you still watch that? Would you still listen to that? Would you still laugh at that joke? I wonder. It's a question you have to ask yourself because you have to realize we are entertaining angels at every moment. Our guardian angel is always with us, is always watching. 
don't offend your guardian angel. Our lady is with you. Our lady sees what you're seeing. She sees what jokes you laugh at. Would it offend her? Will we stand up against these immoral entertainments? When we see things like this, like this drag queen show at Notre Dame, when we see immoral movies, TV shows in the public sphere, when we hear people make crude, immoral jokes or blasphemous jokes even worse, will we laugh at the joke? Will we remain silent? Or will we defend the honor of Almighty God and the Blessed Virgin? That's a choice we have to make. And every choice we make shapes who we are. Will we be men of courage? Or will we be cowards? Will we have the virtues of calm, courage, and confidence in Our Lady? Or will we shrink back from our responsibility? Will we be soft? Will we be weak? Will we be scared and afraid? Will we despair? Or perhaps we'll presume, oh, God doesn't care. The joke doesn't hurt him. He's God. We don't want to be presumptuous. We don't want to despair either. There's nothing we can do. That's Disney. That's, that's Warner Brothers. We can't do anything about that. That's a whole university. Will we despair and say there's nothing I can do? Or will we recognize that with the aid of heaven, we can accomplish great things? And at the very least, we can comfort and console the most wounded heart of our Lady and our Lord. So keep that in mind today as we go about our day taking in entertainment. Is it pleasing to Almighty God? We'll be right back with more right after this. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
Here's an update to a story that you may have missed. This is not something that is reported on mainstream media, but uh, we've mentioned it here a few times and uh, is still a developing story. The headline is, Sadness in our hearts, Armenian Christian recounts families escape from Nagorno-Karabakh. Have you heard about Nagorno-Karabakh? The Nagorno-Karabakh crisis erupted in September as Azerbaijan launched an offensive against the predominantly Christian Armenian region, seeking self-sovereignty. A nine-month blockade caused critical shortages of food and essentials, and then a sudden attack forced Armenians to surrender, resulting in mass casualties and an exodus due to fears of persecution at the hands of Muslims. A fleeing mother, Lilith Melkomian, recounted the harrowing escaped, escape, enduring fears of arrest and a grueling journey to Armenia, which typically lasts six hours, well, for her, it lasted 36 hours. And over 100,000 escaped, but not everyone could flee. For a people deeply rooted in tradition, perhaps the greatest struggle of all is being separated from the land of their parents and forebears. She says, we left our graves, graves of our parents, children, brothers, and sisters, she mourns. Continuing, issue one vote is tomorrow. Now, I don't know if you're listening in Ohio, but if you're not an Ohio resident, this still pertains to you. Please pray for this intention that it does not pass. Voters in Ohio will make their decision tomorrow on issue one, an amendment that would enshrine abortion with almost no limits in Ohio's constitution. Whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, it just goes much, much too far, said Governor Mike DeWine. It would enshrine in our constitution the right to have an abortion up until birth at any time during a pregnancy. Please pray for this intention that it may not pass tomorrow. Those are all your headlines this morning, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Yeah, Rudy, that story about Ohio is very, very important, a very big deal. This is an opportunity for Catholics and all people of goodwill to stand up and defend life. And I think it's very, very important. If you know anybody who's in Ohio, encourage them. Tell them, hey, go out and vote. Go out and make your voice heard. You have an opportunity to do something heroic. And it's not, it doesn't take much effort. Just go in, hit the button, and walk out. Very easy. So I think a lot of people need to um, have that little bit of inconvenience in their life today and go out in Ohio and vote. So if you know anybody in the Ohio area, if you are in the Ohio area, then make sure you go and take care of that. And uh, we can actually save lives. You can imagine that. Hitting a button and voting can save a life. It's pretty wild. So praise be to God. Let's make sure we get that taken care of. Now, on to this story. This story, I think, is really, really cool. This is a very positive story. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing about positive stories, right? A positive story usually is there because there's a negative story. So, like, for instance, the gospel. It's the good news, right? Well, why is it called the good news? Why is it called the gospel? Well, because there was bad news. The bad news is Adam and Eve committed original sin and they damned all of humanity to hell forever. So that's the bad news. The good news is Christ came and he has given us an opportunity to go to heaven if we keep his commandments. If we do what he commanded us to do, then we have the hope of eternal life. So that's the good news. But it requires you to know the bad news. So let's start with the bad news then. 
The bad news is there are people who are transing children all over, all over the world, but all over America. There are people who are transing children. And if you try to talk about this or if you try to put out stories of people who are detransitioning, people who are leaving the transgender lifestyle or attempting to, you will get canceled. You can't find these stories on YouTube. You can't find them when you look them up. They're censored heavily. And so many people don't even know that detransitioners exist. And so Prager University actually put out an excellent short documentary. It's only about 25 minutes long. I watched it this morning. It's only about 25 minutes long. And I highly recommend people to watch it. It's on their own website. It's being platformed by themselves because you can't just put it up anywhere. Otherwise, it would get taken down. And the story is not, it's not gruesome. It's not, it doesn't show any of the surgeries. It's pretty medically as, I mean, as, as, I mean, obviously they kind of make reference to things that are horrible, but I think it's pretty much as good as you can get talking about this issue and it being for all ages. So if you have a kid who's at a public school or even a private school, it might be good to sit down and watch this with them to try to get an idea to say they have a, an inoculation against the transgender ideology. Uh, we'll play a quick trailer of this uh, documentary for you. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? So the name of the movie is D-Trans on PragerU. You can find it there at PragerU.com. I highly recommend checking out this short documentary because, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize the reality of the situation. They really just don't. They don't realize, especially parents, they don't know anybody who's trans. And there may need not be a single transgender person at your kid's school. Not a single one. And yet your kids are still going to be indoctrinated in this. How? Through social media. Through TikTok, through Facebook, through YouTube, 
through just Google searches, your kids are being indoctrinated into transgender ideology. I hate to say it, but it's true. And so I'm very happy that PragerU put this out. This is uh, kind of like the Daily Wire version of the, or the, this is like the PragerU version of What is a Woman by Matt Walsh on the Daily Wire. Though the that one, I highly recommend that one as well, but that one's under a paywall. You have to be a subscriber of Daily Wire to watch it. This one is available for anybody. It's uh, free on their website to watch, and it's much shorter. The What is a Woman is uh, over an hour long, uh, around, I think it's like an hour and a half. So I recommend both. Both are very good to watch and very good to watch with families, especially if you have kids who are going to be exposed to this. If your kids have a smartphone, have access to the internet, go to a public school or a private school, then they are going to be exposed to this ideology. And I think that they you should make a decision for your own family, maybe watch it first. But I do think it would be good to inoculate them against this ideology and realize how much harm these things cause. How many people they say these people claim to be compassionate, claim to want to help these people. But you see the suffering they go through, how their lives are completely ruined, how people are mourning the fact that they can never fix themselves. It's tragic. It's tragic. I am very happy to see now where all these stories of detransitioners suing their doctors, suing their parents even, because this has to be financially unviable for people to want to do this. They have to sue these people to oblivion. So that way it's so toxic that nobody would even want to do this. This is the only way forward. It's very unfortunate that we have to come to this, but I'm glad to see people all over the world are waking up and realizing this is not a fringe issue. This is the issue of our times. Many people get upset with me for talking about it so much, but I'm saying I don't understand what else could be worse than forcing children to be trapped inside of a body that's not their own for the rest of their lives. A very tragic thing. So let's pray for everybody involved. Let's pray for miraculous recoveries for those who cannot medically fix themselves. And let's rejoice a little bit that it's getting the backlash it deserves. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. Ladies and gentlemen, this 
This is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here with you. I don't know why I even say it. You already know. It's good to be here with you. Now, I was asked a number of times to talk about the Synod on Synodality, about my take on the Synod on Synodality. I never really covered it because, I'm going to be honest, it is a massive document. It's 40 pages long, and I just haven't had time to sit down and read through all of it. It's just a lot to cover. And then since then, there's been interviews that come out from different bishops, different cardinals. Uh, the Holy Father came out with an interview recently as well, talking about the Synod. And there's just a ton of information. And the debate right now is Synod on Synodality. Was it a Pandora's box or was it an empty box? That's the question. That's the question that people are asking. So what's the answer? Was it a Pandora's box or was it an empty box. And I think people are making a mistake whenever they're asking this question because the synod on synodality is a three-part phase. This is kind of the thing that people are forgetting or they just don't know. It's a three-part phase. The synod that just happened this last October was the second part. So this was the drafting stage, they created the documents, they're talking about it. Next year's synod in October is the implementation phase. And so then we'll find out the results of this synod today, next year. Now, this is causing a lot of consternation among people because they don't want to wait that long to find out. They're like, man, I'm on the edge of my seat. I need to know what's happening. This is a tactic of the revolution. The revolution wants to make you wary. You know how people say, I'm tired of bad news? People like to tune out whenever it comes in too much, which is why I kind of stopped talking about it for a couple weeks. I figure we'll talk about it, let it settle, and talk about it again later. Because when we're talking about it constantly, you kind of get fatigued. Okay, here's another, another commentary in the Synod, another thing in the Synod, and we kind of start tuning it out. We're not listening, not paying attention anymore. And that's a danger. It's a very big danger. Every time that people start shifting to other topics, they try to draw us back into talking about this. And rightfully so, there's things to be talked about. And I want to go through this article. I kind of summarized it here because it's a rather long article, but a summary here, made a summary here of the article by Attila Guillermis with Tradition in Action. It's called The Senate Report, An Empty Box That Stinks. Now, I don't really entirely agree with Attila's elucidation of the synod but he raises up a number of good points that i think are worthy of bringing up so he says and here's a it's a paraphrase not a direct quote in the aftermath of the recently concluded synod on synodality 
a closer examination reveals the event to be an elaborate yet ultimately empty spectacle. Lasting 25 days, the Synod raised immense expectation among progressivists and deep anxieties among conservatives. However, the final document titled A Synthesis Report released on October 28th turned out to be far less revolutionary than anticipated. Now, there, I'm going to pause right there for a second. I think in one sense he's correct, in one sense he's wrong. In one sense he's correct because it is less revolutionary than what some people were saying. But for instance, myself and people like me, I'm not like I'm the only one that had this opinion. I never expected it to come out explicitly and say things like, oh, we're going to ordain women. That's just too radical. It would, ha- it would cause too much of a backlash. And so I always knew from the beginning it was going to just try to word things in a way that's ambiguous, that can be, if you wanted to, if you're someone of goodwill, you could say, oh, see clearly here. They're not saying, oh, you can have divorce, remarried people receive communion. Or, oh, it's obviously not saying that you can get blessing to same-sex unions. Instead, it would say things that are going to be more ambiguous. Something that's going to be more mm, confusing. For instance, here's the quote from the Senate. The Senate said, Different positions were expressed on the merit of access of women to the ministry of the diaconate. And notice it reads like it's just reporting on what happened at the Senate, the discussions that happened. It says, Some considered that this would be an unacceptable step since it is a break with tradition. Now, notice also well, like the, whenever you analyze these documents, it's important to keep in mind what is said and how much attention is given to what is said. This is important because he, they bracket that some, not many, not most, not the majority. Some considered that this would be a break with tradition. He goes on, and this, the Senate document goes on, for others to give women access to the diaconate would restore a practice of the early church. Yet others discern in this step an appropriate and necessary response to the signs of the times, being faithful to tradition and aptly finding an echo in the hearts of many who look for a renewed vitality and energy in the church. This is very, very concerning because then they kind of set up a three prong dichotomy here or trichotomy, I suppose. You have some who say this is a break with tradition. You have others who say that this is actually a restoration of the early church practice, which is they're, they're saying, okay, here you have the rad trads. You have the moderates who say this is just a restoration of the early church. And then you have the progressive or the the kind of alternative position saying, oh, well, we're responding to the times. We're being faithful to tradition, but we're also renewing the church. It says some expressed the fear that this request would cause a dangerous anthropological confusion leading to align the church with the spirit of time once she would accept women deacons. A more profound reflection on this matter of the deacons will shed light also on the question of the access of women to the diaconate. Notice how this ends. It ends by saying, we need to think about it more. We need to reflect more on this. 
and it'll shed light on the question of the access of women to the diaconate. And many people will say, well, Pope Francis has clearly stated that he's against women diaconate. This is kind of the problem. It's the the yes-no game. They will say things and they'll say the contradictory thing over and over again. And so there, you can, people never know what's going on. And my question is, if the church has settled the issue, which the church has, but let's just say, they, but the question is, do the people at the synod believe the issue is settled? Because if they believe the issue is settled as it is, then why are they even saying something like shed light on the question of the access of women to the diaconate? Why are they saying that? So it is incredibly revolutionary. It is very, very revolutionary. It's not coming out and explicitly stating we're going to ordain women. In fact, I don't think even next year they're going to ordain women. I think they're going to create some kind of alternative parallel to ordination. That's not quite ordination, but it's something different, but very similar. It'll have similar roles. And so people will come out and say, see, nothing happened. They're not ordaining women. It's something different. But we're just calling it the female diaconate. They're going to do something like that because to actually ordain women would be straight up heretical. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. Uh, Attila then goes on. He says, one critical point that needs to be clarified in the synod's limitation power. Unlike what many believe, the synod lacked the authority to make fundamental decisions for the church. It held only a consultative power. Any proposals made were subject to the pope's approval. Thus, the heightened emotions surrounding the event were the result of misleading propaganda. So here, Attila says this, and he's right again, but he's also wrong in in another sense. He's right in the sense that the Synod is very limited in power. It's not authoritative in and of itself. It in and of itself does not have the power to change anything. It is a consultative body. But... Well, he even says, he says, proposal are subject to the Pope's approval. So the question is, will the Pope sign off on it? What will he say? So there is reason to be concerned about it. Because you think about, what about Humane Vitae? Remember that? Remember the synod that came out from the Humane Vitae saying they were going to approve of the use of contraception. It was very concerning because it is a consultative body and the Pope tends to go with the consultative body. In the case of Humanae Vitae, Paul VI went against the consultative body and issued Humanae Vitae instead. The difference here is Paul VI commissioned the study and then he wasn't involved in it. Here, Pope Francis was sitting at the tables with everybody else. He was there. So that makes it a little bit more concerning. Now, Adela goes on and says, one notable innovation was the inclusion of 50 women participants who were granted voting rights. He said, while this move was seen as a significant step towards women shaping the church's future, it's essential to note that their votes were on proposals, not decisions. This is important to note, and I agree, but this is what the revolution does. It makes gradual steps. If they put in, all of a sudden, women are uh, writing encyclicals or motor proprios, there'd be outrage. People would be like, that's crazy. We can't do that. This reserved to the bishop and the pope. So what do they do? They have the women participants in a synod. Oh, it's just a synod. It's just a consultative body. 
oh, they're just voting on proposals. They're not voting on the actual decisions. They try to have gradualism, the frog in the pot, a slowly boiling water. The main issue, and we can talk maybe another day about the issue of homosexuality, communion for the divorce, remarried, the polygamy comments. We could talk about all those things, and or it's worthy to be talked about and necessary to talk about. But the most fundamental thing that is concerning with the synod is an inversion of the hierarchy of the church. As Catholic, as Catholics, we love hierarchy. We love the order which God created. In heaven, there is a hierarchy of order. It is not egalitarian in heaven. It is not a communist utopia in heaven. Our Lord is the king. Our lady is the queen. You have the heavenly hosts and armies. You have the saints in higher places and lower places based on their holiness of their lives. And so too, the material world reflects the heavenly world. There is a hierarchy. The Pope stands in as Christ Christ the king, stands in his place as his vicar. So he is essentially the king. The bishops are the princes of the church. The the, The priests are below the bishops and the laity are below the priest. This is the hierarchy of the church where the synodality, the synod on synodality, egalitarianizes it all, makes everybody equal. Sitting at the same table is the Pope, a bishop, a priest, a lay person, all sitting at the same table, discussing the movement of where the church should go. This is an inversion and a very dangerous precedent to set. We're going to talk about the month of November coming up next. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment 
We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Hey, Rudy, I just saw this post. It's pretty funny. This guy is uh, Catholic. He said, uh, I'm thinking of becoming Baptist since they had some really compelling anti-Catholic arguments here lately. Hmm. Uh, can anyone tell me which one is the true church founded by Christ? Here's what I found near me. Uh, First Baptist, Second Baptist, Zion Baptist, Primitive Baptist, Calvary Baptist, Word of Life Baptist, Central Baptist, Community Baptist, (laughs) Mount Sinai Baptist, Solid Rock Baptist, Tabernacle Baptist, Covenant Baptist, Faith Free Will Baptist, Friendship Baptist, Bible Baptist, Trinity Baptist, Bethany Baptist, Concord Baptist, Antioch Baptist. Uh, So which one should I attend? Hmm. That's like me driving down the road (laughs) in Texas. You see so many. It's funny. When I lived in, uh, in in Hollywood, I, I know I've said this before. It took me like literally an hour to find parking any any time of the day. It was just like that is not a, a hyperbole. I, it would take me an hour every single day to find parking. But the other thing about this neighborhood was that along this like two or three blocks, uh, I can't even remember what the street was, but on these three blocks, there was at least 15 different Protestant uh, charismatic churches, in quotes. And one of them actually would um, – they would have their services like three times during the week and they would take up even more parking spaces. So it would take longer for me <laughs> to find parking. And yeah, it was very it was a very frustrating thing. I had to come come to terms with uh, trying to love these Protestants, uh, even though they were taking my parking space. Yeah, well, there you go, folks. <laughs> They're taking your parking spaces. How dare? How dare? I think it's pretty funny. But yeah, so I think the hmm, it's pretty funny when I see things like that because I'm like, yeah, yeah, the uh, amount of Protestant denominations, even amongst the individual congregations, the individual congregations is just so diverse even there. And they don't all agree at all about what things they're talking about. So I just thought that that post was pretty amusing. But anyway, I want to talk about the month of November. During the month of November... And we are still in the octave of the dead, the octave of All Souls Day. Uh, during this time, you're able to go to a cemetery and you can pray for the souls and receive an indulgence for the souls. So um, if you can make it to a cemetery in the next couple of days, please do so. And you could do so every day. You can receive an indulgence for the holy souls in purgatory. But during the month of November, it's an excellent opportunity to try to meditate a little bit on death, to meditate upon the ending of our lives. We're so concerned with the things of this world, and, you know, there it's worthy of being concerned about. I'm very much in the camp that we have to take action and try to make the world a better place. We don't want to cede the ground to the revolution. But at the same time, we need to also be ready to die 
Because at any moment, we could die. It could be today. You get a car accident. You get a sickness. You could be in a bad situation, get mugged. All these things could happen. And the question is, are we ready? And so I want to go through this meditation, the body on its deathbed, St. Alphonsus Liguori. It was posted by 1 Peter 5. It's an excerpt from the book Preparation for Death, Considerations on Eternal Truths by St. Alphonsus Liguori. You can um, buy the book. The book's pretty massive, actually. I, I have the book, and I'm planning on reading it this year for Advent. But it's a, um, it's a pretty large book, but it's only $10. It's 330 pages long. But it's only $10 on Amazon if you want to read it. But here's what St. Alphonsus Liguori says. He says, portrait of a man who has recently gone into the other world. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Consider that you are dust, and that you shall return to dust. A day will come when you shall die, and rot in a grave, where worms shall be your covering. The same lot awaits all, the nobleman and the peasant, the prince and the vassal. The moment the soul leaves the body, it shall go to eternity, and the body shall return to dust. Thou shalt send forth their breath, and they shall fail, and shall return to their dust. Imagine you behold a person who has just expired. Look at that body still laid on the bed, the head fallen on the chest, the hair in disorder, and still bathed in the sweat of death, the eyes sunk the cheeks hollow, the face the color of ashes, the lips and tongue like iron, the body cold and heavy. The beholders grow pale and tremble. How many at the sight of a deceased relative or friend have changed their lives and retired from the world? Still greater horror will be excited when the body begins to putrefy 24 hours have not elapsed since the death of that young man, and his body has already begun to exhale an offensive smell. The windows must be opened. A great quantity of incense must be used. And to prevent the communication of disease to the entire family, he must soon be transferred to the church and buried in the earth. If he has been of one of the rich or nobles of the earth, his body shall send forth a more intolerable stench, says St. Ambrose. Behold the end of that proud, of that lewd and voluptuous man. Before death, desired and sought after in conversations, now become an object of horror and disgust to all who behold him. His relatives are in haste to remove him from the house. They hire men to shut him up in a coffin, to carry him to the churchyard and throw him in a grave. During life, the fame of his wit, of his politeness, of the elegance of his manners, of the facetiousness was spread abroad. But after death, he is soon forgotten. Their memory hath perished with the noise. On hearing the news of his death, some say he was an honor to the family. Others say he has provided well for his children. Some regret his death because he has done them some service during life. Others rejoice at it because it is an advantage to them. But in a little time, 
no one speaks of him. In the beginning, his nearest relatives feel unwilling to hear his name through fear of renewing their grief. In the visits of condolence, all are careful to make no mention of the deceased. And should any happen to speak of him, the relatives exclaim, For God's sake, do not mention his name! Consider that as you have acted on the occasion of the death of friends and relatives, so others will act on the occasion of your death. The living take part in the scene. They occupy the possessions and offices of the deceased. But the dead are no longer remembered. Their name is scarcely ever mentioned. In the beginning, their relatives are afflicted for a short time, but they will soon be consoled with a share of their property of the deceased which falls to them. Thus, in a short time, your death will be rather a source of joy. And in the very room in which you have breathed forth your soul, and in which you have been judged by Jesus Christ, Others will dance and eat and play and laugh as before. And where will your soul be then? This is an excellent meditation to think about. Particularly, particularly the aspect where he said, think about how you act at funerals. Others will act in the same way. And I have to tell you, myself, I've been to a number of funerals. A number of funerals where they were friends of mine. And funerals where they were family of mine. Funerals where it's distant friends, distant family. And I tell you, sometimes people are very solemn, very serious. The family, of course, is. But then there are others who kind of know you a little bit. They're sitting in the back and they're kind of murmuring to each other. They kind of look at their watch as the service goes on. They're waiting to see how long. Like, oh, how long will this rosary be? Can they speed up the rosary? Talk a little faster? I need to get home to dinner. That's so many people. That's so many people. No matter who you were. You could be a great king. You could be a homeless man on the street. Death comes for us all. So we will end this meditation, this thought on death for today with a prayer that was written by St. Alphonse Liguori in response to this particular meditation. So I ask that you uh, pray with me this prayer and these affections. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Jesus, my Redeemer, I thank Thee for not having taken me out of life when I was Thy enemy. For how many years have I deserved to be in hell? Had I died on such a day or such a night, what should be my lot for all eternity? Lord, I thank Thee. I accept my death in satisfaction for my sins. And I accept it in a manner in which thou shalt be pleased to send it. But since thou hast borne with me until now, wait for me a little longer. Suffer me, therefore, that I may lament my sorrow a little. Give me time to be well before thou judgest me, the offenses I have offended and offered to thee. I will no longer resist thy calls. 
Who knows but the words which I have just read may be the last call for me. I acknowledge that I am unworthy of mercy. Thou hast so often pardoned me, and I have ungratefully offended thee again. A contrite and humble heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Since, O Lord, thou knowest not how to despise a contrite and humble heart, behold the penitent traitor who has recourse to thee. For thy mercy's sake, cast me not away from thy face. Thou hast said, Him that cometh to me I will not cast out. It is true that I have outraged thee more than others, because I have been favored more than others with thy lights and graces. But the blood thou hast shed for me encourages me and offers me pardon if I repent. My sovereign good, I am sorry with my whole soul for having insulted thee. Pardon me and give me grace to love thee for the future. I have offended thee sufficiently. The remainder of my life I wish to spend, not in offending thee, but only in weeping unceasingly over the insults I have offered to thee and in loving with my whole heart a God worthy of infinite love. O Mary, my hope, pray to Jesus for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A very beautiful meditation from St. Alphonse Liguori. A very beautiful affection and prayer from St. Alphonse Liguori. So let us take this to heart and recognize that God has offered us an opportunity. Perhaps me reading this today was God asking you to meditate on your death and to amend your life. And perhaps you have already amended your life. What then? Well, then, to take up your cross and make reparation for your past sins. To serve out your purgatory here on earth. Serve out your purgatory here on earth so we don't have to endure the fiery flames of purgatory after we die. Is an opportunity for us. So let's pray every single day that we have continual conversion of heart and soul to Almighty God and acts of reparation for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. And on that note, we're going to go into our fear and trembling game show and we're going to give away a prize. So make sure you call in 877 757 9424 seven five seven nine four two four that's the number to call to be part of our game show fear and trembling and the prize we're going to give away this week is going to be a good one so call in now and you could be the winner eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four i'm gonna give it to you one last time eight seven 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 five seven 9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. 
Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. And if you're asking, what is Fear and Trembling? What is the game show? The trick is I have three Catholic trivia questions right here in front of me. And I'm not going to ask you the questions. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Thanks be to God. This week you can win a copy of this book. It's called The Holy Hour Prayer Book. Now, this book was generously given to us by our good friend Alan from bishopsheentoday.com. Now, we're giving this book away, and hopefully it's going to plant us some sort of a seed in your heart to begin making a holy hour. You don't have to go to the Blessed Sacrament to make your holy hour, by the way. That is the optimum thing you can do, but maybe you can start at home by meditating on our Lord, his passion, on his love for us. And uh, that's really going to set your your spiritual life on fire. Now, this book, again, was generously given to us by our friend in the great white north, Alan Smith. Alan is our resident Fulton Sheen expert. He's also a zealous defender of our Lord. And you can check out the other books he's compiled. Uh, he's got all kinds of different really cool books at bishopsheentoday.com. Thank you again, Alan. Amen. Thank you very much to bishopsheentoday.com for generously sponsoring the game show this week. We're very, very grateful. So um, let's go here because we have a caller on the line, uh, Sandra. Good morning to you, Sandra. Good morning. Praise be to God, Sandra. Where are you calling in from? San Antonio. San Antonio. The good old San Antonio uh, joining us on the show. We love it. And now, Sandra, where are you off to this morning? Uh, I'm actually off to a doctor's appointment. Doctor's appointment? Mm. Hmm. Yes. Is uh, there these uh, doctors, not dentists, I was about to say surgical, remove the wisdom <laughs> teeth. I'm, I'm traumatized. I'm traumatized from the, from the dentist. Um, anything, anything going on? You're okay? Anything we can pray for you for? No, no. Yes, it's just my 
and your thing. Ah, so, okay. You're just well, going to get like a bionic arm installed. Yeah, get a, yeah, I good. need a bionic brain. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel today. I'm like a major, major fog brain this morning. I'm like, okay, but praise be to God. You know, I need to go to the doctor because I haven't been to the doctor in a really long time. Mm. I haven't had a checkup in years. So I should probably do that. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Like you're probably like on the verge of something awful, but, but you're totally I, fine. Yeah. And if the doctor observes it, then that means either outcome could could happen. So yeah, as long as I don't see the doctor, then I'm not going to get sick, right? Yeah. Like, as long as he, if he doesn't diagnose me with anything, exactly. I'm fine. Have yeah. you been eating apples? Um, I I heard if you throw the apples it keeps mm. the doctors away yeah it definitely yeah. hurts yeah they're, <laughs> they're pretty hefty <laughs> they're pretty hefty uh so there you go folks all righty sandra are you familiar with the game do you know how to play yes perfect then you know rudy can be tricky no. and you got to keep your yes. ears no tuned. she's like on. yep i know she knows uh so very good sandra so keep your ears tuned are you ready to play I'm ready. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I think so. Probably. Probably. Well, that inspires confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, This does not bring joy, Rudy. (laughs) All right. The question on the board is, what are the opening words after the sign of the cross when going to confession? So me personally, I go in there and I say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Mm. And then I immediately start justifying myself Mm. look this is what i did but actually it's because of this this and that so the first thing and this is what i was taught the first thing you say after the intro the intro the intro (laughs) is you start justifying your sins and then the priest you know he he uses that time as a therapy session to suss out whether or not you've committed a grave sin or not so yeah. your answer is justify. You the justify sin. your you sins. Justify you, the you, sins. You make excuses. That's what right. You're saying mm-hmm. okay. So you make the sign of the cross, and then you say, "Well, the but thing father, is, it wasn't my fault." <laughs> um, all right, all right, Sandra. Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question on the board is: What are the opening words after the sign of the cross when going to confession? Uh, Rudy says that after the sign of the cross, you say, well, here's the thing. So what say you, Sandra? I say no, that's not. She says no. (laughs) All right, let's see. Survey says that is, in fact, correct. No wonder Father seems upset with me all the time when I go in there. You know, I had a teacher once who said, um, this always stuck with me, always stuck with me. He said, quote, excuses are for losers. <laughs> and uh, and so I always remember that for excuses as long as I live. Excuses are for losers. That and is so, so true. Just own up to it. Yeah. So when you go to confession, you don't get to be like, uh, Father, I murdered someone, but he deserved it, though. So really, it was fine. It's my wife's fault. I yelled at my kid, but uh, look, like he wouldn't take up the trash, okay? <laughs> so you got to, there you go. Don't make excuses. Just confess it. So what is the correct answer, Rudy? Okay, so I bungled the question. <laughs> All right. Uh, I need a bionic brain. The, the correct answer is after the sign of the cross, you say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Yeah. And then you – hopefully you tell them a little bit of context. You say, my state in life is 
I'm a husband and a father or I'm a wife or I'm just a teenager or whatever. And then you go into your list. You go into it. You don't justify each one. You know you did it. Confess it and receive that mercy of, of our Lord there. And yeah, here's a PSA for all the priests. Uh, you're welcome. Um, be brief. <laughs> don't go into all the details. The priest doesn't need to know it. Yeah. Uh, my method is I go in. I say, bless you, Father, for I sin. It's been X days since my last confession. My state in life is I'm single and living at my parents' house. And I accuse myself of the following sins. And I list them. And I say, and for these and all my sins, I ask pardon from God and penance from you, Father. So that's my method. Based. And feel free to take it and use it. All right, Sandra, are you ready for question number two? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Question number two, Rudy. Did our Lord Jesus Christ add water to his wine at the Last Supper as the priest does at Mass? No. No, no. he didn't. He because it was just an ordinary Passover meal. Oh. So during Passover, you have to eat with haste, right? And it was the same for them. They gathered in haste because our Lord was like, hey, you got a schedule to keep, guys. Come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going to meet there. And then, you know, Peter was like, but I haven't gotten all the stuff yet for dinner. He's like, dude, come on, man. We got to go. I got things to do later tonight. Did you get that from the chosen? And Peter was like, what is going on? What do you mean tonight? Aren't we just like going to go sleep like normally? He's like, oh, come on, let's go. So they didn't have time to go and get water. So it was like a 20-minute low mass, what you're yeah. saying. All right, Sandra, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, did Jesus add water to his wine at the Last Supper as the priest does at Mass? Rudy seems to think the answer is no. Now, he said a bunch of other things, too, but I'm gonna just going to go with no. All right, Sandra, what say you? Is he right or is he wrong? I'm going to go with Rudy. You're going to go with Rudy. You're going to say he's right. All right. Let's see. Survey says... Oh, Sandra! I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. See, he, you, you couldn't tell by the, the Chosen episode that he just laid out for you right there. <laughs> Did that really happen in the no, Chosen? No, no. But oh, it, it sounded like you're like narrating an episode of a TV show. You're like, this happened, that happened. Like Anytime he's going off on a story... I, I'm like, this guy's probably making this up. <laughs> you know what's surprising to me is I, I wanted to say no as well when I was picking this question. I, I didn't know that our Lord actually commingled yeah. the water with the wine at the, at the first Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's because he is mixing his divinity with his uh, humanity. That's the symbolism of adding water to the wine that we still have in the Mass today. Amazing. Well, there is well there's we other time. yeah, yeah there's, there's other yeah. significant details about this well in the after show maybe we'll talk more about this uh but we are going to go into question number three um sandra are you ready for question number three i'm ready all right let's do it question number three rudy what is the name of the metal ball that is filled with hot water and used by the priest to warm his hands. So this is not a really commonly used thing anymore because of global warming. So <laughs> everybody has warm hands, you know, and we have heaters and stuff like that. But back in the day, they had this thing called the Orbus. And the Orbus, orbus is a metal ball that they fill with hot water so the priest can keep his hands warm. And just picture it. He's just there with an orb in his hands. 
mm. warming his hands. Meanwhile, everybody else is just cold. Okay. I, I'm picking up what you're But there's out. a reason for it, Adrian. You got to have supple hands if you're going to confect the Eucharist, right? Because mm. you're going to be doing mm. a lot of stuff with your hands, holding up the, the you know, the, the our Lord in his hands and the host. So you got to have supple hands. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, Sandra. The question is, what is the name of the metal ball filled with hot water and used by the priest to warm his hands? Rudy says it's called an... Orbus. Orbus. Uh, what say you, Sandra? Oh, gosh. Um, I want to agree with Rudy. Are you sure you want to agree with Rudy? <laughs> no, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Final answer? Final answer. I think she said no. Uh, she said no. Did I she say no? no? Yeah, she said it's wrong. I said no. She did say no. Okay, let's see. That is correct. That's Sandra. Let's the go. The correct answer is a poem or a palm. Poem. A palm. P-O-M-E. Pama. But uh, we're out of time, Sandra. I'm going to put you on hold, but thanks for calling in this morning. Thank you so much. I had fun, and I learned a couple of things. Praise be to God. We're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio site. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on our social media feeds. We'd love to talk to you, whatever it is you want to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about the co-mingling, mixing of the, of the, the water with the wine at Mass. That'll be a fun conversation. But if not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate Monday of the 31st week in Ordinary Time. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for those joining us online, those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, and those here present. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin,
all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service, grant we pray that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Just as you once disobeyed God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now disobeyed in order that, by virtue of the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God delivered all to disobedience, that he might have mercy upon all. O oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How inscrutable are his judgments, and how unsearchable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given him anything that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To God be glory forever. Amen. The Word of the Lord. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your saving help, O God, protect me. I will praise the name of God in song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. Lord, in your great love, answer me. See, you lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the poor, and his own who are in bonds he spurns not. Lord, in your great love, answer me. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. They shall dwell in the land and own it, and the descendants of his servant shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall inhabit it. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples, and you will know the truth, says the Lord. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. 
Glory to you, O Lord. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. We can sense the, the power and awe that St. Paul realized that how God in his plan had chosen Israel <clears throat> to be his special possession. And yet it was not so, simply for the sake of Israel, but it was for everyone's sake. And in fact, what St. Paul has been describing in the, in this, in the letters to the Romans is the fact that, you know, because Israel has basically rejected the Christ, has rejected the Messiah, then we as the Gentiles have in a way have benefited from it. And so now we've been invited to the banquet because of their disobedience. <clears throat> I always relate it to the fact it's like when your, your favorite team gets to the playoffs only because somebody else lost. <laughs> Not because they're that good. <laughs> but because somebody else lost. And so we cheer like, yeah, we have a chance. And in a similar way, because Israel, in a sense, has failed uh, to, to, to follow the Lord, then we have the opportunity. And he says, and then he goes on to say, he says, well, now he's hoping God is trying to make Israel jealous so that they see the good that we have received as the Gentiles and say, well, then that must be where God is going. That must be his path. He's invited also the Gentiles. And then, then, what would be their full number when they come in as well. So that is our hope, of course, that, that Israel, the people of God whom he has chosen, and that he still remain chosen. As St. As Paul says, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. They will always be his people, his chosen people. But then the doors have been flung open to us, thanks be to God, and you know we have been able to receive the riches to be invited to this banquet, which brings us really beautifully into the gospel today. Jesus, again, he'd like to go out to, the, to, to dine at the Pharisees, apparently, because it's the second time. The first time he said, uh, he, he reminds us, you know, that don't go to the highest place, go to the lowest place. And this is, he's not taking, he's definitely not taking a, a line out of uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence Peoples, because you usually don't go, you're not invited to a banquet, and then you tell the person who invited you, you didn't invite all the right people. <laughs> it's usually not how those things go, Right. But rather, he wants to show, says, when we invite people over, right, we usually invite those who are closest to us, who we feel comfortable with us. He says, but when, and sometimes, of course, if we were expecting some kind of repayment, that we would be invited over to their house, or they would take us out to dinner, so on and so forth. But it's that fact that we, when we invite people that we wouldn't, if we would invite those who would have the inability to repay. Think about, you know, when you look at, when you go to church on Sunday, look about you. <laughs> Do 
Do you see those people that you probably would not invite over to your house for Sunday dinner? Probably not. But that's whom Jesus has invited. That's whom God has invited to his banquet. And all of us have the inability to repay God. In fact, St. Augustine had this really beautiful way of kind of under of, of describing this. Um, he was using, the, he was understanding that we come to this banquet of wisdom, of knowledge, to not only to push to understand God, but to come into this communion with him. He says, when you sit down at that banquet, imagine you're sitting at this huge banquet table with all of these delicious goods in front of you. He says, before you stretch out your hand, realize that how are you going to repay this goodness? Of course, there's no way that we could provide such a luscious banquet. But how are we going to repay is, of course, by giving our life for the, for the one who has invited us. We can repay by giving us ourself. That's the only repayment we could ever really give to God. Everything else we've received is a gift. So when God invi he invites us to this banquet, and he invites, yes, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, that's us. Thanks be to God. <laughs> he's cared for us. He's, he's seen us. Um, he's invited us. It reminds us when we come to the Eucharistic banquet, we come to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, we come into communion with all those whom God has invited and recognizing that we, can, of course, cannot repay by providing the same banquet, but we can repay with the gift that we himself have received. And that is Christ. So that is why he would tell this Pharisee, that's who we invite. The, the ones that Christ has invited. So let us, as uh, in that in the famous word of Jesus, let us go and do the same. That we would love one another and we're in communion with one another. God has chosen us. He's invited us. And he, and he wants us to, to provide that same banquet of ourself uh, to others. Amen. Let us turn to the Lord with our prayers, asking that his voice will renew in us our love for God and for our neighbor. Let us pay for the church and for Christians everywhere that we will all be put into practice Jesus' commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for end of war and violence in our world, especially the conflict in the Middle East and in Ukraine. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for children everywhere, especially those who are at risk, that the people charged with their care will do all in their power to ensure their safety and well-being. Let us pray to the Lord. For our own community, that we will see the face of Christ in our neighbors and respond generously to those in need. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are sick or dying, and for those who care for them, that Christ will bring them peace and strength. We pray, too, for all who have died, that God will bring them to eternal life. Let us pray to the Lord. For all of our personal intentions, for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio and online, we ask the Lord to answer these special uh, prayers and intentions. Let us pray to the Lord. God, our Father, you are our strength and our protection. Open our hearts to your grace that we may always know and do your will through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May these sacrificial offerings, O Lord, become for you a pure oblation and for us a holy outpouring of your mercy through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in goodness you created man, and when, you, when he was justly condemned, in mercy you redeemed him through Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
and it's offering to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul, no more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, 
Prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me. Let us pray. May the working of your power, O Lord, increase in us, we pray, so that renewed by these heavenly sacraments, we may be prepared by your gift for receiving what they promise through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. Amen. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulceto, Et spes nostra salve, A te clamamus, Exules filii hebe, A te suspiramus, Gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesu, benedictum frutum ventris tui, Nobis post hoc exili. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.